Hello, welcome to the Unlocking Landscapes podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Greenwood. In this episode, I'm joined by someone you've never heard of, my good friend, Eddie Chapman. Eddie is a devoted rambler and part-time rapper who lives in Glasgow, Scotland. Eddie grew up in the Derbyshire town of Chesterfield and developed a love for the landscape through hiking in the nearby Peak District. He now spends his walking time bagging Munroes in the Scottish Highlands. So this is part one of two episodes covering a trip Eddie and I undertook across Hungary and Romania in 2015. In part one, we recount our travels through the Great Hungarian Plain en route to the Romanian Carpathians. It's a light-hearted episode with recollections of unusual experiences, including owl-headed bodybuilders, fire water, and rural sports bars. All this was experienced as we walked the Great Plain and fumbled our way through Europe by train. We saw some incredible wildlife in one of Europe's most important landscapes, the Great Hungarian Plain. And we would definitely recommend it if you're into birds. But do listen to what we did wrong. The episode contains an important safety message. Don't take risks out on the water and always bring safety equipment with you. Don't make the same stupid mistakes that we did if you visit the River Teaser. Thanks for tuning in and I hope you enjoy the episode as much as we did recording it. Hi, Eddie. Hi, Dan. How's it going? Yeah, not too bad. Thank you. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm very well. Thank you. Very well. Thank you so much for joining me on this special episode of Unlocking Landscapes. Thanks for having me along. It's nice of you to uh, invite somebody who isn't a published writer or noted photographer. Well, you know, I do like to appeal to the common man. (laughs) So today we've got a very special episode of Unlocking Landscapes because we're going to be talking... Me and Eddie are going to be talking about a very interesting trip that we had in March 2015 when we travelled to Romania via Hungary, mostly by train. But it was a journey... It was a bridge too far. It was a... (laughs) Well, there were many bridges incomplete (laughs) that we saw uh, out of the train window, particularly in Romania. Um, But it it was a trip that I think... We'd wanted to do, I mean, I I know I wanted to do it having read the books of Patrick Lee Fermore, who walked from London, well, from technically from the Netherlands to Istanbul um, before the Second World War. And he spent a lot of time in Hungary and Romania before the Second World War when they're very different countries. And it really inspired me to want to go and visit there. I had a Hungarian friend who also turns out to be the number one fan of unlocking landscapes so vicky if you're listening i hope you enjoy and i hope we don't insult your your heritage too much or your your homeland sorry for everything that is about to be said and any misrepresentations of your wonderful country that was really good can we get you on here every every time to say that? <laughs> I'd also disclaimer at the start of every episode <laughs> you know how i said we <laughs> <laughs> it's only me i don't know why i'm saying that the journey was from well from effectively from from london for me where were you at the time you're in manchester are you in scotland i was living in aberdeen at the time aberdeen yeah so i mean that was a long way long way <laughs> long way to go anywhere i went from aberdeen was a long way but yeah i certainly felt it yeah so i traveled from london to Brussels and I, well, I actually went to uh, Germany first for a couple of days which was completely out of the way and I paid for that but we'll get into that later and then we met up <laughs> when in... you say you paid for it <laughs> oh you did you paid for it twice I guess well I li- literally paid for it but then also paid for the uh, the excursion and the um, the storm that came in but we'll, we'll get to that I suppose but then we went then um, we met in Budapest we did the capital of Hungary and then we travelled to a name that both of us will get wrong, which on in if you're English and you're reading it on the page, it looks like Hortobargi. But I do believe, speaking to my friend Vicky, uh, who is fluent in Hungarian as a Hungarian herself, <laughs> says that it's 
um, Hortobaj, and I've probably again got that wrong, but Hungarian is a very difficult language for an English speaker to learn um, because it's not like other European languages. And I think it's more closely related to Finnish. And then we went to, we crossed over via Debrecen. We went into Romania and we stayed in Cluj. I think it was just one night, wasn't it? Uh, one night in Cluj, yeah, that's right. And the thing that most people not be aware of, when you go into Romania, a lot of places there also have a Hungarian name. And it's because the Austro-Hungarian Empire, which was basically carved up after the First World War, a lot of places which were under the Hungarian territory then became under Romanian territory. So places, Cluj is also known as Kolosvar, which I think I've got right. And then from Cluj, we went to um, a place called, the Romanian name is Miracurea Chuk, and the Hungarian name is Chik Sherada. And I think in English, it means the Cheek Mountains, but that's in the lower Carpathians. That's in the, I think um, it was described to us as the Carpathian Basin. Um, not the, the, There were mountains there, but they were smaller than the High Carpathians, which is where we ended up. So we ended up in Sinaia, which is effectively like a, a ski town, isn't it? Yeah, definitely a ski town. Yeah, like a, a, faux, uh, a faux ski resort, really. Um, but yeah, and then we both travelled our separate ways home from Bucharest um, on a British Airways flight, I think it was, wasn't it? Yep. Yeah, so if we get into the journey itself, I... I, I had a few days extra before meeting you, Eddie, and I got a train from London, uh, St. Pancras, the Eurostar, went to Brussels, and then from Brussels to Frankfurt, and I stayed in Frankfurt overnight. That was the first time for me in that city. Yeah, so I stayed in Frankfurt for one night in this nice hotel. And the next day I travelled to Bavaria and I stayed for three nights in a place called Oberammergau, which is in the Bavarian Alps and did some hiking around there. That was pretty cool. But it was not great because I was going to meet you in Budapest and my journey was completely disrupted by an epic storm which came in and totally derailed the German railway network and i couldn't get i I couldn't get to munich in time to actually get the train and um i couldn't actually get to munich in time to get the train so i missed the train that i'd already paid for that would have taken me directly to to budapest would have been really easy and the reason was because the roof of the munich hauptbahnhof the railway station it collapsed because of high winds and so I was standing outside the railway station with about with thousands of other people and I was like, I don't know what to do. I have to get to Budapest. So I went to a I went to walked up the road to um a cafe, an internet cafe, and I found I went on the Eurolines website and I found I could get a bus overnight from Munich to Budapest. And so that's what I did. And it was truly exhausting. Um we the the bus itself i think it left at like 10 o'clock or 11 o'clock at night and i woke up in the middle of the night and the bus was being boarded by plainclothes police german police and they were asking everyone for their passports and they were taking people off the bus and going through their luggage but it was yeah it was was very it was very long and it seemed like it was never going to end i just wondered i thought you know if this is happening now am i actually going to ever get there to meet you in Budapest. But, you know, in the end, we made it through the night and arrived in Budapest something like 12 hours later or something like that. Um, and I cannot tell you how relieved I was to actually get there. It was it was really stressful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it looked really stressful. Uh, I was... I hadn't, I hadn't quite joined the trip yet, as, as you've mentioned. I was still in Aberdeen, uh, still working a few days. So I was tracking your progress over Facebook and via WhatsApp messages and stuff. It looked really stressful. Yeah, it was a, it was an absolute mission. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, so we were staying in an apartment in Budapest, um, and I remember just crashing when I got in there. It was just it was just such a relief to actually get there. Um, but in um, in Budapest, we. We went to a nightclub that had seemed to be 
have a theme of owls. I think there was a theme of owls all over Budapest, actually. It was really weird. I've got quite a few pictures of owl-based artwork from various like bits of architecture and menus and yeah strange looking owl beings in in clubs yeah and there was there was a big paint there's not a painting or a big photograph on the wall of because this nightclub was like an it was like a disused it's like a bit like a disused building that had been turned into a nightclub and there was a picture of a it was uh it was one of the ruin the ruin pops that's ruin kind of pops. got quite a you know it's a famous sort of nightlife scene i think the the ruin pubs i see okay um but on the wall there was a picture of like a shirtless bodybuilder with a like a short-eared owl on his head i think you just drank too much palinka mate you were we hallucinating should, we should be drinking palinka you're tripping this. out man <laughs> well, what, what, can you tell me what palinka is i can tell you what it is and i can't tell you what it is it's some kind of is it some kind of uh brandy yeah, but it's it's just essentially like fire water. I mean, I remember some of the stuff that we, we had to drink was like 60% or whatever. Uh, it went straight to your head. Obviously, you were seeing shirtless bodybuilding owls. Yeah, well, it's just like looking in the mirror, isn't it, really? But um, <laughs> the thing that sticks out for me about Budapest was the statue park that we went to with those Soviet-era yeah. incredible statues of... These, you know, like sort of cartoonish, like incredible Hulk style, you know, military officers and stuff and s- statues of yeah, Stalin yeah. and Lenin. Yeah, that was amazing. I mean, sort of communist era, I mean, communist era sort of statues. I've got a really dramatic look about them. They're really foreboding and oppressive, uh, but really striking. So it's amazing that they didn't just get rid of them completely, but they... They sort of pull them down and then stash them away in that park and then obviously make a tidy sum off the tourism for it now. But uh, yeah, that was really cool. It's a little bit like I ha- it's how kind of how I see Britain or at least England's going to be like that in about 10 years time. You think someone will make brutalist statues of Boris Johnson? Yeah, and if you touch them, you'll get put in jail for 200 years. Um, I think that's the way things are going anyway. Um but yeah, we also went for a walk to because there's supposed to be some nice parks around Budapest, aren't they? And it's also worth saying that the um, the Danube flows through Budapest. I think that was maybe my first encounter with the Danube, which for me is a big deal. I, I think it's probably because it's named named after me. No, um, but Budapest was actually two different two different places that became one city. Buda and Pest were two different places. I didn't Did you know, know that? that? Yeah. We've read, we've read the same yeah, books. But the next stop after Budapest was Horsabarji. Well, this is where we get into the trip um, proper, really, isn't it? Yeah, this is this is where it really started. Um, I remember, because we, we got a train from Budapest to Horsabarji, um, and we had a meal in Budapest railway station, because they have these... They have these like railway restaurants, and it's it's that's what I love about parts of Eastern and Central Europe. They have these almost like proper formal restaurants where you're getting like waited on by usually men in their fifties or sometimes even older who are wearing sort of like um, black waistcoat and a, a shirt and tra- black trousers. Um, are you being I waited really on? Just remember that uh, by Ralph Fine in the Grand Budapest hotel it's just just exactly like that but it, it feels like a hotel restaurant and um i think i must have had like uh goulash i think i had yeah i, I know i definitely had some goulash there it was amazing if you got the same standard of food uh an english train station what's the equivalent here it's like burger king burger king or well you have to go to MS nowadays don't you or it's something like upper crust <laughs> it's it's just it's just incomparable it's not the same it's not the same service, is it? Um, but I, I remember that journey because I think it was a relief. I, w- I was just maybe starting to ch- chill out at that point. Um, but I remember l- when we were leaving Budapest and looking out the window of the train and seeing people living in the woods, there was there were obviously people who were homeless and didn't have anywhere else to go. But that, that was quite shocking. I, I didn't expect to see that. Uh no, yeah, I don't know. I don't know whether they were homeless or they could have been just like sort of traveling, travelers. 
Well, I mean, because this was just before there was the massive movement of people from the conflict in Syria. Um, and I, I do wonder if some of the people that we actually saw, because, I mean, one of the defining memories of this trip was just seeing all of the people who were living alongside the, like, in a field or... Uh, there was one image I remember seeing outside Brashov in Romania of um, someone just living under a piece of plastic um, in a in a field outside the city. Yeah. Well, there was a and lot they, of plastic around to be yeah, used for shelters. Indeed. Um, but I remember seeing that and and you kind of go to some places and it can kind of make you think that not, you know, everything's not quite as it seems. Um but yeah, that was quite striking. But then we, yeah, we travelled. I mean, it's probably worth saying for people who don't know, Hungary is a very flat country. Um, so this was quite a quite a steady journey through the the open plains of Hungary, and we were heading to Hortobágy. It's generally known as the Great Hungarian. Well, I mean, that's a town in it, but the the landscape is known as the Great Hungarian Plain, and there used to be um, an ocean there. Um, I think it was it's known as the Pannonian Sea, um, which is what made it so, so, um, so shallow and shallow, made it the, the landscape that it is today. Um, but yeah, what, what were your what were your first impressions of getting off the train in Hortobágy? <laughs> My first impressions, I, I mean, I know you told me not to swear. Uh, I don't know if you asked any of your other guests not to swear before they came on. But when I first got to Hortobaji, I thought, where the fudge am I? Like it was a proper random place. You were just in this weird little village out in the middle of nowhere. I did think, where have I come to? And actually, that was the starting point on that trip. Ever since we got to Hortobaji, the people you met uh, and that spoke to you said, why have you come here? And then when you, when you sort of laughed and said, oh, we're on, we're on holiday or whatever, they were like, seriously, why have you come here? Uh, and I did, I did wonder the same myself. <laughs> but I mean, uh, yeah, that was a, it was a strange place. I think it's because we, we particularly wanted to go there to go to the Hortobaji fish ponds, as they're known, not for fishing, but to see to the wetlands there to you know world-renowned wetlands that are found in the great hungarian plain yeah totally i mean um it's very it's world-renowned i think for its wildlife uh and in in sort of peak spring uh it's just well i don't know it's it's like a stop-off point for for many raptors and migratory routes or yeah so for those of you who who aren't really into birding um it's a place where a lot of sort of birds of prey uh what well, they travel in between europe and africa are they or i guess so yeah um we should we should know more <laughs> we should we should know more but um I, I don't know i've got i've gone the way of mushrooms rather than um, <laughs> Than deep bird ecology, to be quite honest. Um, but th- those fish ponds are world renowned, um, and you can see why. I mean, in bird terms, it's it's basically lots of lots of reed beds and also large. Um, I suppose we'd call them lakes in in the UK. But there's a there's a a culture in in parts of Eastern and Central Europe of having large fish ponds, and those fish ponds were created in medieval times from natural water bodies and have been. I believe a lot of them have been sort of artificially stocked with fish. So, Eddie, we went to um, the Czech Republic, sorry, Czechia. We went to Czechia in um, 2016, wasn't it? 2017, went there in 2017. And we visited um, we visited some of the fish ponds in, in Moravia, in uh, Czechia, which is near the Slovakian border. Um, but there's, there are amazing places for wildlife, particularly birds but also invertebrates and bats as well you get lots of bats around there um but we Hortobaji we stayed in a it was quite a strange place it was sort of very it was like a one-story quite open sort of hotel mm, yeah uh I mean yeah it, it, it was obviously 
It was obviously there for a reason that that hotel as well, because I think a lot of people must travel to to Hotabaji to to visit these places and to to go bird watching. Because I remember seeing in the hallway there was like a you know, like a wall chart with all the birds you could see there. Um, but it was a nice enough place. I know that you know after my initial Im- impressions of Hotabaji or Hotabaj, and uh, thinking where where the hell am I? It was quite nice sitting there because it was actually done. It was my birthday that day. I remember uh, kicking back once we got to the hostel, which I managed to scavenge some beers at the uh, at a local shop. And we were sat outside just taking a breather. Uh, and there were cranes flying overhead. So it's actually a pretty good place. Happy birthday. Cheers, mate. I, probably wished, it, I probably wished it to you on the day, but... I- you know, just because you sounded a little bit like you've been left out there. But um, well, you know, you're like, oh, I remember it because of this. I remember it because of that. I remember it because it was my birthday. It was a strange place to to have a birthday for you, I suppose. I think one of the things as well that was quite strange about it, which is, you know, in England, I know you're in Scotland, but particularly in England, there's this obsession with tidiness and you don't, particularly in the south of England. So if there's any like disused buildings that are in within the site of a main road or something, you know, they're, they're often getting kind of knocked down and built into something else. But around Hortobarji, there were so many disused buildings, weren't there? A lot of them looked to be sort of Soviet era um, and some of them probably earlier than that. But I think some of the buildings that stuck out most for me were those those sort of like, I don't know what they were. They're, they're, they're quite typical of the, the great Hungarian plain. There were these little empty huts that looked like they were kind of shelter for people who were maybe shepherding or maybe for livestock out on the, um, out on the plains. And, um, or maybe they were for storing hay. I don't know, but they were so iconic. These little sort of, um, they had these little sort of triangular roofs, didn't they? And um, they they were, they were really, really iconic part of the landscape there, but there was also the, uh, the wells. Can you remember anything about those wells? I can remember they looked, you know, I can see them in my, in my head, but we never operated any. So, no, but I remember in, in my guidebook about um, the Great Hungarian Plain, it said that people used to use the wells and putting the, the arm of the lever yeah. in different ways to give messages to people. Right. So I think they'd sometimes use them as warnings and this, that and the other. So I thought I thought that was that was pretty cool. Um but yeah, we should so we, we went um we had we had a really good day in Hortobarji, didn't we? We went we had two day two full days there, and we went we walked. I mean, you you think we walked something like twenty to thirty miles in one day, don't you? To visit I think it was over twenty miles, uh, because I think we initially went into the information centre on our first full day, and we we're asking about travel. How would we get to the fish ponds? Uh, and the woman said, "No, this it's it's a bank holiday. There's there's no trains. There's no trains today." So we we said, oh well, we'll we'll have to walk then, because uh, we took a, a quick look at the, the basic sort of tourist map, and we thought, yeah, that that doesn't look so far, uh, but it was it was about ten miles there, I think. Same back, lots of uh, lots of walking around when we actually got there, but yeah, it was a it was a long walk. I remember the day that that day the weather was particularly good, it was really sunny. Um, and we, that was the first good weather we'd actually had because when I was when I landed, it was snowing. It snowed at the uh, the communist statue park. Uh, it wasn't a particularly nice day the day before when we travelled, and then finally, yeah, here was some sunshine. Yeah, and I remember we walked because we were staying on one really quite far out on the side of town. I think this will probably be interesting for people who want to visit there in the future. And I think there'll probably be some people who are desperate to go, probably wanted to go in 2020. Inspired by this, this talk. Oh yeah. I mean, that's why, I mean, the, the, <laughs> the tourism in Hortobarji is going to break records <laughs> after this is published. Um, this, this um, episode is, is put online, but we were staying quite far out of town, weren't we? I mean, it's, I say town, it's, it was just, ba- it was basically, it was a, a plain with some buildings on it and and uh, rivers and wetlands um, and a, a road that runs through it, a, a sort of main road connecting um, from sort of east to west. It was, a, but, it was um, a tiny village, really. I don't think it is a town. No, no it's your, yeah, it was a village, definitely. But we, I remember we walked through the village and there were storks, weren't there, nesting on 
like on I think they're on like street lamps or telegraph poles or specifically made um structures yeah, yeah, for yeah. them. Yeah, so uh you know iconic iconic sort of stalks nests on, on top of telegraph poles and uh so that was a really good on that day, our first day when we actually got some sunshine and some nice weather, our spirits were pretty high when we saw got to saw, see storks up close and you could hear them. You saw, you know, the chattering noise of them, uh, their, their, their clicking beaks, you know, when they, they sort of greet each other to reaffirm their bonds or whatever they're doing. So, was, uh, you know, the air was full of that sound. There were storks everywhere. Blossoming be, the trees. Yeah, blossoming the trees. Yeah, we should be careful because you said that we were high when we saw the storks. <laughs> Let's just clarify. <laughs> it was first thing in the morning and all we'd had for... For breakfast, for breakfast was uh, Palinka. <laughs> Had we? <laughs> no, no. No, I could see how you'd get into that routine if you were there. Because <laughs> it's just so, it just seems so normal. Um, I think it's usually a sausage-based breakfast in that part of the world. Um, and a very a variety of breads. Um, but yeah, Hungarian food is nice. Um, very nice indeed. And a lot of paprika used, of course. Um but one thing I remember was the house sparrows were nesting in the underside of the stork's nest. Do you remember that? No. Well, you missed out because it was it was, <laughs> it was great. Um, Mate, we then, went all that way and we saw these wonderful birds. We saw storks and all these other wonderful birds. And you're talking to me about sparrows. Well, I was living in London at the time and house sparrows were, have just disappeared. So I was delighted. Seeing a house sparrow was like seeing a golden eagle. Um, obviously not quite true. I, I now live in Sussex and there's lots of them in my garden every day, but I still love them and I still appreciate them. Um, but yeah, so we walked we walked through the town. I remember we went to the visitor centre for the National Park because it is actually a national park. I should have said that. Um, and I bought a Great Bustard t-shirt. You did? Yeah, because I think there's Great Bustards out on the plains there, aren't there? Uh, apparently, we didn't see any. Did you know that the Great Bustard was eradicated in, in England it was like a competition. There'd be competitions in counties to see who could eradicate the final great bustard. Really? Wow. Brilliant. Thanks for that, guys. Is that why you moved to Scotland? Um, <laughs> I heard there was a one more great bustard up here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I wanted um, to get it. I should say for people who don't know what a great bustard is, it looks almost like an ostrich. It's a very large bird that... Um, as I said earlier, as mentioned by Patrick Lee Fermore in Between the Woods and the Water. Um, but we walked through Hortabaji and we we went on this massive trek. But I remember that it was a lovely sunny day and there were hares boxing in the fields. Mm-hmm. Um, I said, You say fields, it's like it was only, it's the flattest, most open place I've ever been to, I think. It's hard to describe. It is so flat. Um, but at the same time, it was actually really beautiful. You know, it, it's so flat that you, your attention sort of goes from the from the, the ground beneath you to the to the sky because the sky is just there uh, on you know level with your eyes. So you just get these big amazing vistas, uh, you know, just flooded with blue and amazing sort of cloudscapes, and you notice that more than the landscape. Yeah, the cloudscapes were absolutely amazing, weren't they? And I think there was also a sort of yellow wagtail. Do you remember seeing that? There was I a think, red yeah, fox. Yeah, I do. I do remember seeing the uh, yellow wagtail. There were corn buntings. I remember. I remember that. Yeah, and a corn bunting is a bird that's really declined in Britain, um, but it was really, really common out there, wasn't it? And obviously, it's well, it's not obvious, but it was an agricultural landscape um, that was you know was farmed i would say it didn't seem to be farmed that heavily really did it but um i know there's a lot of species there that are actually dependent on that open landscape and i think one of the things that people don't realize i mean i know everyone wants woodland and and i, I love woodlands as well but um these open grasslands known as step um step grasslands they're actually some of the the most threatened landscapes on earth um so and it's because of the kind of the species that you only find in those habitats and and also that large free roaming landscape which you don't really get so much anymore but we we went on this massive trek didn't we and we um i remember we passed this this sort of kennel this area of kennels and there were 
like a hundred dogs. Yeah. So I don't know if they were like, was it not, was it not like a small farmstead? And then there were loads of guard dogs there because the racket that they made when we started approaching, there was just us two. So imagine this big flat landscape with barely any features whatsoever. And then we approached this building and then there was a, suddenly a cacophony of these big, scary looking growling dogs. Uh, and I really sort of emphasize the, the sense of where are we? <laughs> you know, if, it was quite intimidating actually. You're absolutely right in saying that because it was it was a combination of that weird experience of seeing all those dogs. I think they probably were guard dogs because they were super intimidating. And it, there was a massive farm building there. And I think it's because it was so isolated. Maybe they were there because, you know, the, the farmer or the landowner was just worried about things being stolen from there. And it was, I mean, they were, they were an alarm call, weren't they, those dogs? I remember they were all we, big. We didn't, we didn't steal anything. No, we, we, were, we were like a mile away. We were, <laughs> we were on the track because there was one, I think there was like one path that ran. It was like a trackway that ran in between the fields. Yeah. Almost no trees. I think the only trees I think we saw were like false acacia, which is sort of invasive species that had kind of taken over in some, some of the areas around any, any buildings and things. But it was, it was so open. And I think it was just the silence of the place as well. When, when you couldn't hear the wind or you couldn't hear anything, it was, it was like nothing I'd experienced before, I don't think. We finally arrived at Hortobaji Halasto. Halasto Halasto means fish ponds, yeah. Fish ponds, yeah. I, you know, it's funny listening to you actually like pluck the names out because I can't remember any of the place names. And obviously because they're, they're Hungarian names, like I'm even less likely to remember them. So it's it's nice. It's taking me back hearing you speak them so sweetly. The thing, the memory I have of first arriving there is that it looked closed. <laughs> I mean, it was it was completely it's a completely open landscape, but there was there was like a train station stop there uh, or nearby, and there was like a visitor center wasn't there, but it was like an old, it was obviously an old industrial building related to the fish pond that had been converted. It was just a hut. It's just a hut that somebody sat in all day and took your money when he wanted to go and watch some birds. Did we not? Did, were we unsure whether you had to pay to get in or something like that? We Ignore. definitely paid. We, uh, you could have just strolled in because there wasn't like a, a, a fence or a, or a gate or anything. But, you know, there was a sign saying this, this is how much it is to come in. Yeah. I just can't, I can't remember if we paid anyone. But there was a little single gauge railway, wasn't there, that ran up and down, mm -hmm. which I think is probably in use. But I remember the reed beds and I remember really quickly we... We encountered, and this is a bird name that's going to make some people laugh if they're not familiar with bird names, but um, Bearded Tit. He's not talking about me either. You're for, <laughs> well, you, no, well, people can't see the Zoom, so they, they have no, they have no um, understanding of your facial hair, which, <laughs> which just sounds weird. Um, but um, in the reed beds, the reed beds were, they were sort of pinging in the reed beds, weren't they? They were, yeah um it, it was it just felt like there was a, a flurry of birds upon getting there you know it really uh it was a good it was a good feeling of elation because you felt like you were really getting into it then you know we'd, we'd been in budapest and it was sort of uh i think we both felt a bit claustrophobic we were looking forward to getting outside in the country that countryside and and seeing some birds and when we finally got to the fish ponds you know they were all there, there for us. We saw bearded tit and uh, we were flushing out purple herons and marsh harriers were, were everywhere you looked. Uh, yeah, that was a, it was a really great place, full of life. But there was also, there was a lot going on there as well because though I said it looked like empty and stuff, you know, if, if, if this was in the UK, it would have had, you know, 50 people with their Swarovski binoculars and scopes and stuff like that and their cameras with their massive lenses but there weren't any other visitors there from what i remember but there were people working there there were some um hungarian men who were were they like pulling fish out of the out of one of the ponds with like a big claw thing yeah i think and, so like an industrial fishing i think they were like perch i'm not up yeah, on big, my fish big bulging net full of them i'm not great with fish in many ways i cannot stand fish <laughs> but um 
Yeah, I, just, I think I did get a photo of um, of them kind of removing like a net's worth of fish out of the out of the water and putting them into the back of a sort of lorry or something like that. I think. Yeah, it was some industrial fish action. But it goes to show you, doesn't it? I mean, th- this is basically a form of agriculture, but one of the richest places in Europe for for birds as well. So, well, they are they are industrial fish ponds, aren't they? And I, I think yeah. everything all the bird life that seems to have congregated around it or found a home there is, is sort of a bonus, added bonus. Yeah. And I, I also remember something quite, quite um, harrowing that happened not to us. We'll get to that a bit later. Another <laughs> day. Um, but walking alongside, there was like a canal sort of, there was like a canal that was cut across so on, we were on one side of it and you could kind of sometimes there was a little bridge you could cross over yeah and then, so there were like trenches between the the fish ponds yeah but there was there was a mallard i think it was a mallard duck with her ducklings swimming down one of them and um one of the, one of the ducklings just got pulled under didn't it by oh, like well, a pike must have, yeah it must have been a something. pike yeah yeah and i was like oh man that is uh that's brutal fish and you knew you were really in the wild I didn't know there were sharks there, but, um, <laughs> but anyway. But I remember the breaks. There were breaks in the the reed beds, and that's where we saw a pygmy cormorant. Well, well, we saw our first one. By the end of the day, you were sick of seeing them. Yeah, I know, but it was our first one. But they're they're one of the things that you only really see in in places like that, don't you? They're I don't not... think I even knew that there was a pygmy cormorant until we saw that. It, no. You know, we just saw a bird, obviously. I say obviously, but you know, in in this country, we see cormorants all the time in your in your local canals, and you just looked at this one and thought, that doesn't look quite right. That looks really strange, and I think it's only when we looked in the uh, the bird guide and saw that it was a pygmy cormorant. You see cormorants all the time, but you don't see tiny little cormorants like the pygmy no. cormorant, which is a very cute little one. Um, cormorants are quite decisive. Decisive divisive <laughs> they know what they want and they get it <laughs> uh, cormorants are quite divisive in the uk because they eat fish and some people don't like that let's not get into that um but i think one of the the most sort of epic wildlife experience we had was when we climbed up into one of those towers i say climbed walked up some stairs into one of those lookout towers ac- across the um across the fish ponds and we saw in the sky lots of raptors circling didn't we yeah Do you remember that yeah it must have been about six or seven and i think it was uh white-tailed eagles there might have even been something like a lesser spotted eagle in there i'm or i'm not entirely sure i mean i'm not i'm not up on my eagles either well that um, was another great thing about the place we we did you, you caught uh or you snatched little views of, of eagles all the time uh, or, you know, big birds and the kind of birds that if you're a bird watcher, you start going, oh, what's that? And get really excited. Could have been lesser spotted eagles or step eagles or what. I don't think we were quite uh, good enough birders to, to fully identify them. No, and they were just specks in the in the sort of blue sky, weren't they? It was it was really difficult to actually make out. I mean, I took a photo and, and when I had a look at it again, I could see there was a different scale to some of the birds. But... I think when we went back down onto the onto ground level, there was a, a break in in the reeds, and you could see into one of the fish ponds that seemed to have been drained. Yeah, yeah. And there was it was just mud, and I remember we saw a white-tailed eagle on the ground there. Yeah. And it was so striking because it just looked like a person. It was so big. <laughs> yeah, it was massive. Yeah, it was like sitting on a sitting on a bench. <laughs> <laughs> and it got his sandwich out and started looking at his phone <laughs> that didn't happen um but it, it looked yeah because it had the the white plumage didn't it on its head and it, it was it was a beautiful yeah beautiful yeah, bird. amazing um but yeah and then we obviously had to walk back that way and i, I remember walking back along the way we'd come past the the kennels or the the guard dogs that were barking at us um but I remember seeing, we saw a beautiful red fox and it was, it looked in wonderful condition and the sunset was spectacular as well. Yeah. Yeah. It was a really good evening, but it was at that point I was thinking, geez, this is a, this is a really long walk. <laughs> now I think, I think I was ready to uh, get home and I hadn't put any sun cream on that day. I don't think. 
and we've been out on a plane with no tree cover all day and i was feeling pretty sunburnt it was probably cool. looking very sunburnt as well yeah but that it was the evenings when we went for dinner in the sports bar yeah yeah the wonderful sports bar where they uh they only serve pizzas well, that's not actually true you did you did have some other sort of steak based meal didn't you i can't i can only remember the pizzas but they they didn't taste like pizza didn't they have like you know when they do pizzas with with a white sauce rather than a red sauce like a it's like a garlic or like a white garlic sauce instead of having a tomato sauce and uh they did them there and they called it a viking pizza I don't know how you've remembered that. All I remember Mate. is some very weird tasting pepperoni that was obviously not pepperoni. It was probably more of a kind of, it was more of a Hungarian style of sausage. If it's food, I remember it. I do remember the second night that we stayed there and hearing a little owl calling outside our window. And I don't think I knew what a little owl sounded like at that time. Speaking of owls, there was a wonderful period. Like when we, when we went to the fish ponds that day, I saw a crowning moment uh of the day as we were just leaving there, there was a, a selection of sort of well bird bird boxes essentially but it would seem to be like a, a little community of kestrels living there and we were stood there for a, a short while just enjoying the kestrels and then i looked in one of the boxes and then there was a a long-eared owl staring right back at us which was just amazing um i'd never seen one of those before yeah and there were also there were lots of these boxes in the in they were on poles, weren't they? They weren't just in the trees because there really weren't many trees. But I remember us standing looking at just back before we were heading off from the fish ponds, and there was a flock of cranes went over in a in a formation. Yeah, which was maybe the first time I'd ever seen them do that. And there were loads of kestrels, weren't there, in the boxes? Yeah. But I only learned later when someone told me from the photos that they weren't normal kestrels they were lesser kestrels which are more like to nest communally yeah and uh also there was a, a squadron of spoonbills went over either just before or just after the cranes it was like you know a little 10 minute burst of bird fireworks bird fireworks i like it and there was also a, na- a half naked bodybuilder with a shorted owl head <laughs> <laughs> face down in the reed bed <laughs> and um that's when we knew it was time to leave <laughs> and head to the sports bar. sports bar sports bar so that was our day at the fish ponds in hortabashi but we we had an, ex- an extra day and so we traveled by train this time to a place which again i'm gonna mispronounce so apologies for that. But um, we were heading to Lake Tija, which is a lake that was once the River Tija, which is one of the, the great rivers of Europe or was one of the great rivers of Europe. Um, until we got there. Until we got there <laughs> and ruined everything. Um, <laughs> but, but we got a train from Hortobaji to a place called Tija Fured. And again, I'm going to mispronounce that. I'm really sorry, but I'm doing my best here. Um, and I think I, I remember just feeling a little bit lost and a little bit like, what are we doing? And maybe we'd been there a bit too long. Maybe the weather wasn't quite, you know, the season wasn't quite where it needs to be. It's still quite cold. There was still a, a sort of a wind, but I think we we're probably, probably absolutely exhausted from that, that day hiking across the uh, great Hungarian plain the day before but I remember we we needed supplies, didn't we? And we had some real difficulty getting water that wasn't fizzy. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and I, you know, this is a problem I found. <laughs> it's, it sounds weird saying it, but uh, it's a problem I found anywhere I've gone abroad. You know, you go on holiday to hot places, and you think, oh yeah, I better buy some water and stay hydrated. And so often, this, this might not be a problem for people who like fizzy water, but so often. You go to open your water that you've been so clever to buy ahead of being really dehydrated and you crack open that lid and you just hear that and you're like, oh, no. 
I hate fizzy water. <laughs> this is not gonna this is not gonna do the trick whatsoever. This was definitely the case uh when we were in Hungary. But we did learn one trick is that if you wanted flat still water, uh, there were, I don't know why they had pictures of babies on them, but it was definitely one of the brands did a did a bottled water that had a picture of a baby on, and we learned that that was the one if you wanted still water, get the baby water. Yeah, so it was known as baby water from then on, and we did have another encounter with this baby water um, when we were out on the water, quite strangely, but we slick. <laughs> that's what I'm here for. That's why they, Eddie, that's why they Jack, pay me the I big bucks. I can tell you do a podcast. We were in Tisha Furad. We went to a shop, which was quite a strange shop. It was obviously, it was like going into someone's living room. Oh, yeah. Do you remember a massive, it was like a water tower, but it said Pepsi on it. Yeah, yeah, I do remember. Yeah, I remember because I remember the skyline of, of that town once we got there. It's almost like that's where Pepsi was discovered. Was, <laughs> maybe, you know, the the... River Tisha was actually the home of Pepsi, but there are other cola drink brands available as well. Baby cola. I, sh- I think that we we you know we wanted to get out on about around Lake Tisha, didn't we? And we were <laughs> feeling a little bit at a loose end. I remember there was a there'd obviously been some some money spent on like interpretation boards and this and by one of, by the river, and it had just been totally destroyed and like set on fire and stuff like that. Um, so there's obviously not a lot for for people, people to, to do, do. <laughs> they, were, they were doing that and i'm not just going to blame young people because you don't know it could have been anyone who who'd done that um but we we managed to get to a place where we knew we could rent a boat to take oh, out yeah on the river and at the time that was a total you know day changer my mood instantly was more more upbeat because i you know what was turning into a, a strange day walking around a great town it was a boat hire place and it was it was back on that that for me like, felt like one of the best things that had ever happened oh it was a great it, it was going to be a great day it was potentially the greatest ever day we were going to have in hungary yeah. but it turned out to be potentially the almost the worst day of our lives um, <laughs> but but uh yeah so we went and i think it was also from, from walking all the time and being stuck on a train and not really you wanted, you wanted to, to sit down. <laughs> I was like, you know, I've, I, I, let me just say, I can't really swim. I can do 10 meters and I've got the the trunks with the badge on from when I was um, eight years old to prove it if anyone wants the evidence. But did, um, you, did you tell the guy who hired us a boat that you couldn't swim? I can't remember. I, I remember that we went to the, there was like a shack, wasn't there? Just And there was like a, there was sort of like a key on the river. So there was, there was sort of like a wooden pier that was coming out. It was a, a small little walkway, like a gangway. And there were there were three men, and there was one guy who looked about eighteen, and he was wearing like camouflage gear. I think they all wore camouflage gear. But um, we 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 approached them and said, you know, do you speak English? Because we, I mean, we could speak we a want hand. a boat. <laughs> we we need a boat, and we need to rescue this trip. Um, even though we'd had a really good day the day before, I think we were just we had too high standards, didn't we? We'd, yeah, we'd had a really good day. We just needed to chill out, and this was probably the root of our our problems and they were like yeah sure you know here's the boat and i was like you know do we need it for a certain amount of time do we need to give it back a certain time like yeah just whenever it's all good it's all good but we we were really a bit silly because we didn't ask for like life jackets like we took this boat out and we didn't have any life-saving or safety equipment i mean and you know it it was just it it was a very relaxed transaction of of hiring this boat and for people listening, it wasn't it wasn't like they were rowing boats at your local park. These were these were motorized boats. I'd, I'd certainly never I'd never driven one before. No, I'd I'd never been near one, so I didn't know what <laughs> I was doing. Um, and I think that showed. And I think we we had to keep swapping, didn't we? And I was like, "Oh, you do it five minutes, I'll do it five minutes." But to be honest, we got you know we got the boat out onto the river, and it was. Sorry, my cat's moving around in the, in the background. And um, we got out onto the river and there were these, the willows were all coming into leaf. They were covered in catkins and there was poplars coming into leaf and the reed beds were starting to wake up with all the bird life. And it felt, it felt so great, didn't it? It was like, what a feeling. It was, it was like, we're out there. We're, we're in complete control of ourselves. We just, it felt so, felt so freeing to be able to just get, get on, a boat boat. Out <laughs> on the river <laughs> and who knew where we were going and we i think we had a map didn't we we had this this map that we got oh. somewhere maybe in 
one of the visitor centers or I, I definitely had some maps with me. There was a basic, we got given a basic map. So when we got on the boat, the guy saw, held up the map and was like, this is where you're going to go. Just follow it all around, follow this line and we'll see you back here in a bit. And, and it just didn't work out that way. Um, <laughs> and um, I remember it, it was just brilliant because we were, we were taking the boat through the water. We went through these really, we went through this, this sort of channel with all these trees that had fallen down over, the, over the, the channel. And there were obviously signs of like beavers around. I think there were beavers in Hungary. And, and you know, that all these trees had fallen down over the, over the channel and we kind of had to move slowly through them and like pull them out of the way and stuff. And it was like, it was like it was like being on the Amazon or something, which I obviously have no yeah. ex- experience of that. Um, well, I don't have any experience of that. I've never <laughs> never been outside of Europe. But um, and we we got to the channel, then opened out, and I think there was like we saw a white-tailed eagle through the trees. Yeah, there was um, a bird which there's a bird called a penduline tit, um, which makes this sort of beautiful woven um, basket for a nest which hangs from the trees and it's not a species that you're ever really going to see in england but for the odd one or two that that get here sort of by accident or to the yeah. uk that get here by accident and it was these sorts of things like this is the experience we wanted you know really kind of immersed in in the wild the wilds of of hungary and the river Tija. but i remember we, we were going down this channel and there were sort of trees on either side and in the distance was lake Tija. And so it's obviously where they dammed it whenever they whenever they did that. And um, but we passed by this guy who was fishing, and he was kind of uh, his um, boat was kind of at lengthways across across the channel, and we were obviously going straight down the channel. <laughs> and he he stood up on his boat and he got his his fishing rod up, and he chucked the line out across, and it just missed my head. Do you remember that? <laughs> no i don't remember that I, I kind of remember the guy fishing but i don't remember him vindictively lashing out at you with his with his fishing hook he definitely did it because he was annoyed that we were there disturbing his peace on the beautiful <laughs> river Tija. he didn't like someone muscling in on his boat action we were sh- we were we were rocking his boat and he didn't like it okay <laughs> i'm telling you it was it was more than passive aggressive but it was like, who are these? Who are these two English fools disturbing my, my fishing trip, my morning fishing? But from there, I think feel like that was a sign about what was what was about to go wrong. Maybe Tija's gonna get you. Yeah. So what what happened next anyway? Well, we we passed through what can only be described as like a Jurassic Park style gateway onto the lake, uh, and then we were that we were out on the you know the high seas then what once was like a nice little channel shaded by trees you're in a wide open lake uh and I, I was a little bit frightening to be honest because you know the wind was in your hair uh i mean it was also exciting because you felt like you could pick up the speed of the boat a little bit but also i felt a little bit lost like when when we looked at the map or uh you know, tried to piece that together with the lake, I suddenly felt like I'm going to lose my way here or I'm not really sure where I am anymore or whether I'm actually following where I'm supposed to go. The pictures that I took from the front of the boat, it just looks magical, doesn't it? It's this yeah, yeah. river with all these willows and poplars reaching over towards the water and, and it's it's really beautiful. It was quite a, quite a grey day, wasn't it? It does, but, you know, but, these little channels of the trees, it looks green and bright. And then once we got out onto the lake... It was definitely grey and menacing. Yeah, indeed. But when we got to the end of this channel, I remember thinking, I think I probably said to you, I was like, should we turn back? Should we really? Because the, the the lake opened out and it looked to me like the sea. <laughs> it looked like the Irish Sea. You know, it was really choppy. It looked quite agitated, the lake. It was really windy out there and, and the kind of protection of the, the poplars and the willows, that was gone. Um, we got we we made the decision to go out onto the river, but it was ridiculous because we didn't have a plan of where we were going. And I think I I really do I think sometimes you know when you when you're kind of lying in bed at night and you can't get to sleep and your your mind is looking for all the worst possible things it can. I do think back to that and think how <laughs> stupid that decision was to go out onto that river because we didn't have any 
any any life jackets with us. I mean, I don't know how well you can swim, I mean, but um, I, I, well, you know. I can swim. But yeah, what, if you look at it, if you just count the issues on your hand there, but we didn't have life jackets. You couldn't swim. We didn't know where we were going. We'd never driven a motorboat before. I mean, it doesn't look good, does it? And I think this is how these things happen when you're you're traveling in an unfamiliar place because you don't have the same things that kind of root you in reality. And because you don't have the same kind of routine or pressures on your time, maybe that you just, I don't know, you just make stupid decisions. But anyway, we, we went straight out onto the water. And I think immediately when we got out there, the boat was was more difficult to control and to, to drive. And also, and, you know, we'd seen quite a few other people on boats before that point. And then once we were out on the main lake, you couldn't really see anybody. No, there was no one. But I just remember us thinking we were just we were just on the water. I think we just thought it was going to be like Lake Placid or something like that, which is a horror movie. So it almost was like that. Um, I just remember the boat jumping. And I think we had to increase the throttle in driving the boat and use more petrol <laughs> and more power because the water was so much more powerful. And I think... I can remember the, the boat was was leaving the water a bit, you know, and I was like, this isn't normal. Um, and I, there was this sort of this panic setting in of like, what are we doing? <laughs> and we might be about to, about to, I don't know, the boat might capsize or something. Well, I mean, it, it didn't stop us. It didn't stop us because we knew. So this this was like, a, it's another nature reserve, essentially. And there's, there's other islands out on this this lake, which is quite a big lake. I mean, it's, it's not like the lake at your local park. It's, it's huge. Anyway, it's like a nature reserve. And there's also all these little islands on there that have like bird watching towers. We actually need to have a permit to go and visit and, and, and moor your boat up at. And even though we didn't have a permit and we knew that we didn't or shouldn't be there, we still aimed straight for one of these islands and moored up our boat. Yeah, and I remember that. I remember we could see that there was an island in the distance and we were just like, we just got to go for it. And it started to feel like if we didn't just aim for this island and for this little, this little like plank, this little, this, this small Rick, little gangway. Rickety of, pier. We just had to aim for this um, this pier in this island. And it was like, we just have to get there. We just have to do it. And it was, yeah, it was just, it, it felt like if we didn't, we had no other option but to go there. The, the water was just too, it was too choppy. It was, it was just too dangerous. And I think that the scarier bit was probably what happened next, wasn't it? <laughs> I just say, you're saying like... We we had to. We just had to do it. The water was so choppy, so we fleed for safety, further away from from the actual safety, <laughs> and moored up on this island. And uh, yeah, I think we moored our boat in the wrong way as well. We sort of braced it up against the pier, uh, where the waves were smashing up against it, and we we sort of got out of the the boat and wandered around the island for a little bit. And I think we. I don't know if we did climb the bird watching tower or not, but it obviously wasn't that memorable because I can't remember seeing any birds. It's really weird you talking about it like that because for me it was like something out of Planet of the Apes. Because <laughs> we, you know, we got the we got the boat. We were trying to get it up onto the bank. I mean, I, I didn't know how to moor a boat. Never done that before, and we just kind of got it against the side, and we were desperately trying to tie it up. And it, it was just getting smashed against this little pier and <laughs> and it was just filling up with water and like petrol was mixing. Yeah, somehow we'd managed to unhook uh, whatever connected pipe it was. It was going from the, the petrol can that was in the boat to the motor. So as well as all the water that was smashing up against the side of the boat, going into the boat, we also had petrol sort of spilling out into the bottom of the boat, you know. If, if we tried to take that boat anywhere, I mean, we, we tried to take it back off the island and failed because it was so wedged in one position. But if we did, it probably would have just sunk with us in it as well. Yeah, and that's when it started to feel like I was, you know, it, it was like, it was really worried. It was really scary because it was like this boat is filling up. And I was like, you know, is this going to end well? That's what I was thinking. Like, you know, <laughs> it, it already ended. It, it had already gone wrong, mate. <laughs> well, no, but it got, it had gone to the next stage, hadn't it? Because we were on this island, and I was thinking, you know, I was looking at you and thinking, you're like over six foot something. And I was like, you know, if it comes to it, 
you know, are, are we going to have to have a, a battle to the death here to see who who survives? <laughs> Six foot. You were you were just sort of thinking there's more of him than there is of me. We could probably eat a bit of him, and it'll be all right. <laughs> well, no, it ne- thankfully it never got that bad. But um, I was just thinking, you know, am I going to? Is one of us going to have to become sort of king of this island? Because it just felt so remote. It was like well, I'm obviously joking about that, but it just it was this it was this weird island of scrub but also a hungarian flag do you remember that (laughs) there was a massive hungarian flag on a pole in the like beyond the scrub and it's probably i I wondered if it might be like a sort of m night Shyamalan film if you go through the scrub and there's this whole community of people who've never been (laughs) who never got off the island never got off the island (laughs) but um, tourists i think i was also i was also just a bit worried because um we we really damaged this boat or we thought maybe we had damaged it but we we still we had a phone number didn't we um yeah so when it when it got to the point that we were thinking we tried and failed to sort of get a boat going again uh and we were thinking we actually need some help here well we actually had set off the, the guy who gave us the boat had given us a number and said you know if you get any trouble give us a call on this number which is what we decided to do but I remember like a really a couple of really sketchy conversations with this this person on the other end of the phone, because the first person I spoke to didn't actually speak very good English. I didn't speak any good Hungarian either. He spoke German. I remember. <laughs> I remember. Well, no, that was German. the guy. I think eventually we spoke to somebody who spoke German, and then we had like a bit of a broken conversation between English and German. Miraculously managed to explain where we were and what had happened. I don't. I don't feel like the the phone conversation concluded with like oh. We're going to come and get you then. Just hang tight. I think they just kind of said, oh, yeah, right, okay, we know where you are. And then hung the phone up. And then we were just left there thinking, oh, well, well, hopefully something co- comes of that conversation. Yeah, and I think um, I remember him saying, Zvan Sik Munorten. Oh, right, okay. And I was like, oh, yeah. yes, my German has saved our lives. <laughs> um, not that Zvan Sik Munorten is anything to boast about 20 minutes. He, he was coming in 20 minutes anyway. Um, but I remember, yeah, we were on this island and I was like, it's funny, isn't it, how people are with nature? Because everyone thinks nature is lovely and wonderful, and not everyone thinks that. But it's all cuddly, and and nature is this wonderful thing. But, but those places, you know, things can go really wrong out there, and it was quite quite scary and and unforgiving. <laughs> I mean, it is, but at the same time, I'm sure plenty of people managed to navigate around that lake in a boat with no problem whatsoever. I think there's. There's certainly some user issues here that were contributing to the problem. No, I, I feel like such an idiot for the way that went. And uh, <laughs> should ne- we should never have got the boat out in the first place because we didn't have um, safety equipment and I couldn't, I cannot, can't swim further than 10 metres. But, you know, lesson learned and I won't, I won't make that mistake again. But um, yeah, so we, we did eventually see this, this sort of larger boat coming, didn't we? And it was a, it was a fairly gruff um gruff man he was wearing like a beanie hat and a big a big jacket it looked um, it was maybe camouflage i mean i think i've got a picture here he was wearing camo trousers and a beanie hat and a kind of is that like a navy blue sort of bomber jacket he he didn't speak any english and he seemed i remember he spent he he pulled up and he moored himself like a like a pro and he was a a man in his his sort of uh, in his 50s i'd say sort of early 50s and um he he started bailing, didn't he? He was bailing the boat, getting the water. Well, first he water. sort of like he bundled us into the boat, and then he attached our boat to his boat, and then he's dragged it back. So once we were back off the lake and in like the, the quiet waterways, we sort of just stopped for a while, and then we sheepishly just sat there in his boat while he got into our boat and started chucking bucketfuls of water out of it to obviously rid it of water. And at no point in that scenario did we say, "Would you like some help?" <laughs> we didn't. Even, we shouldn't have really asked that. We should have just got up and just got in there and done the same thing. And to be honest, they probably remember that, and they're probably like, "Yeah, these two stupid English guys came and <laughs> didn't know what they were doing." But um, it it was it had quite a few sort of um, chunks taken out of sight. I mean, you could still use the boat, but um, and it got got it back in one piece, but. Uh, but, but yeah. I know I remember when we were sorting out, you know, sorting money out with the, the guy afterwards. And uh, you know, he, the guy was like, What happened out there? And I, you know, gave her a sort of brief explanation and laughed sheepishly and went, 
this kind of thing must happen all the time. And he went, no, you're very special. <laughs> yeah. He was like, no, this doesn't happen. I was like, okay. Well, thanks very much. We'll go now. And yeah, then, you, you, were, you couldn't wait to get out of there, mate. No, it was... It, it, it wasn't a great experience. So I think the moral of the story is, you know, do go and visit Lake Tija and do visit the River Tija, but don't make the same mistake that we did. And, you know, for all, do get a boat maybe, but maybe ask for some uh, safety equipment as well before you go. Yeah. And if you do get rescued by a, a gruff German guy in a beanie hat and camo trousers, say hi. He was Hungarian. Was he? You sure? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well. So I think that ridiculousness takes us to the end of part one of our journey through Hungary and Romania. So join us in part two as we chart our journey across the Hungarian border into Romania to Transylvania and then to the High Carpathians. Thanks for listening. See you next time. <laughs>